welcome to Gen Topic. I'm Sarah. And I'm Anya. And it's Friday at five o'clock. Oh, time for gin. Yay! We're going to drink a gin with our guests and enjoy this week's topic. Yay! Cheers! Cheers! Hey, Anya. Hello. We're in the same room again. I know. <laughs> sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ben. We are. I'm we not are sorry, actually, Ben. <laughs> oh, she says she's not. I'm not you've sorry. Also, but you've also got your microphone round the wrong way. So Why? Does it matter? Sorry, Ben. Yes. Right. It's turned around now, Ben. Oh, look. Look at that. It's oh, suddenly geez. picked up your voice. <laughs> so we got the microphones right. We are together. We are sitting opposite ends of the sofa. Like we've had an argument. Like we've had yeah. an argument. But it's all right because we're here for another episode. Do you want to know who who we're talking to? Might be quite useful, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are talking to Janine Marriott. Lovely. Okay. Yeah. And Janine Marriott comes from down your neck of the woods. Down my neck of the woods. But down your neck of the woods. What, Bristol way? Yeah. Oh, she's a Bristol girl. She is. She is. Well, I don't know if she's a Bristol girl, but she currently resides in Bristol. Not a Bristol girl, but currently reside in Bristol. Absolutely. And she is public engagement manager at Arnos Vale Cemetery Trust. Okay, so I know Arnos Vale. Okay. Do you know cemetery in Arnos Vale? I I know what a cemetery is. I have Have seen one. heard of it. Have you? I think I've seen one, yeah. Been in it? Not that particular one, I don't oh. think. No. Well, anyway, so she is public engagement manager there, and mm-hmm. she also is a doctoral student, and she does research on cemeteries. What's our question with cemeteries? <laughs> so our question is, are cemeteries just for the dead and the grieving? Okay. And do you know what's in my mind? Go on. Shaun of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> All I keep thinking of is like, no, maybe they're a living coming out and we're all in zombies, oh but I don't think we're talking I zombies. I hope we're not talking zombies because no. I don't have anything to discuss about with zombies. No, we're not talking zombies. But as she is public engagement manager at a cemetery. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I'm guessing that maybe they do things more than just bury people in the cemetery. <laughs> Do you reckon that's something they do? Get buried alive for the day, and you get like put in a coffin. It just do you imagine in. that? It's like a red letter <laughs> day experience. Nightmare. Oh my god! Imagine what you get for Christmas. Oh, I'm going to be buried alive. But we're going to talk about the dead. We're going to talk cool. about ceremony, ceremonies, no cemeteries, cemeteries, cemeteries. Grand. Um, and we're going to drink gin when we're doing it. Ah, oh, brilliant. If you haven't listened to this week's Tasting Room yet, we've already spent a little time chatting with our guest and with our gin expert, Emma, finding out all about this week's gin, why our guest has chosen it, what it tastes like, and whether we like it or not. And this week, we're drinking Psychopomp Woden. So don't forget to listen to our Tasting Room. But now, on with the topic. We have our gin... And we have our guest, Janine Marriott, and we are talking cemeteries, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we are talking our cemeteries just for the dead and the grieving. Yeah. So, Janine, (laughs) you get to sit back (laughs) with your gin. Oh, dear. It's all right. This won't take long. You won't have a long time to sit back, because we're going to talk about what we know, and... Well, I know where Arnest Vale is, which is a win for me. It is. That's win for you, because you. I don't. Yeah, exactly. I'll take that. Haven't been, haven't been to a lot of cemeteries, I don't think. I have. Have you? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, now I've got questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember going into cemeteries as a kid at primary school uh-huh. with the ruler to scratch off the bits of lichen and stuff so that you could read the details of the people on the grave. Okay. And with like pieces of paper and pencils to rub on mm-hmm. to then take that back and talk about I the history of stuff. I think you did that with us when we were kids once. Probably. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've also been into them because in some places they're just really nice places to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite often walking around, uh, taking time away from busy place. Mm-hmm. I walk through the graveyard virtually every day with the dogs. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what's the difference between a cemetery and a graveyard? Oh, good question. I don't know. Thankfully, we've got an expert. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll pause our knowledge because I'm really interested to hear. Janine, what's the difference between a cemetery and a graveyard? So there are a few differences, but the probably the easiest one to know is, uh, well, if you think about a graveyard, what's in the middle of a graveyard? A church. church. There we go. So cemeteries don't normally have churches. They'll have chapels of rest ah. or mortuary tra- chapels or just... A, a space or, or nothing or a space for a, a ceremony of some kind. Um, but generally it's not a okay. church. So you don't go to a cemetery for a Sunday service, for example. Got right. you. Okay. Got you. Easy. Tick. I've learned something In which already. Case, I might be a frequent visitor because mm. I walk through the birdcage right by mine in Clifton. Bird Is cage, that a yeah. cemetery? That's actually the a graveyard. Cage. Damn that's it. Really, yes, yeah. So that's actually an old, old graveyard, the birdcage. Um, oh. And so there used to be a church attached to it. But obviously uh. the birdcage um, is just laid down. And when you walk through it, I think you're actually walking on people. So the path cut through the middle is they, they, were, they didn't, didn't tend to move the people out to the sides. So you will see the gravestones at the side, but you're probably walking. There might be a path, but people do also slip and move. So, yeah, the birdcage is a is an old graveyard, a very old graveyard. Oh, I walk down there at night a lot, and I'm not sure how I feel about doing that now. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to what we know, because this comes back to, we were talking earlier, um, of introducing you and talking about, about this topic and I said that it just made me think of Shaun of the Dead yeah. and now that's all you're going to think every time you walk through the bird cages maybe I'm you're going to grab your ankles yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah which brings us to our question is yeah. it just for the dead and the grieving okay. so can we answer that question what do we know are cemeteries just for the dead and the grieving I'm sure they're not but I think if you're a ginormous wuss like me and you don't like the idea of stepping on dead people that much, maybe you get put off visiting unless you have a reason to. And I would imagine that Janine can go, but here are some reasons why you still should, would be my guess. I think there is that cemetery of just sort of being around people that are dead. Mm. Um and they can't talk back, which is quite <laughs> nice. And just sort of being able to immerse yourself in history. Okay. So that's not for dead or grieving. I think walking, lots comes up all the time in nature programmes. Really good mm-hmm. for bird watching, apparently. Okay, right. Because there's not so many people walking through them. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, good for hiding a dead body. So, I, you know, if you bury a dead body on top of a... Necessarily, because firstly you'd have to dig it all back up again, so that's going to make it obvious that it's recently been redigged, dug, redigged, dug, dug, dugged. I think it's not a great place to hide a body. Personally, I'm going to throw that out there. Ah, so tell Richard Osman, Osman. Richard Tom House of Games, yeah, yeah, yeah. who wrote his oh, did it? Spoiler, I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Sarah, See? anything oh in that, Janine? <laughs> so we think they kind of are for others, but we're not sure how. Okay, so um, my research, um, my job is to encourage people to use the historic cemetery, Arnest Vale Cemetery, that I work at, um, encourage them to use it as a social space, a community space, a historic space, a learning space. Um, and so obviously I am definitely going to be like the this is the hill I will die on. I definitely think they're for everyone. But also, if you look back at kind of the 19th century cemeteries, they were evolved, they were designed for this. So um, 
I'm kind of going to do a little bit of history of the 19th century cemetery movement now. And I hope I don't bore people too much, but I'll go fast. Uh, but basically, um, the graveyards. No, that's brilliant, because all I've got is the images of a graveyard with smoke coming out <laughs> and people walking with big top hats and long frock coats. So go for it. My imagina- imagination is going I mean, wild. The, the, the smoke was not a, not smoke. It was uh, gases. Smog coming yes. out of the human remains sometimes in these kind of oh. 18th and 17th century burial grounds. So um, uh, big as the Industrial Revolution started, uh, cities got bigger and bigger. That means, you know, more people to be buried. And the graveyards, which were almost entirely at that point, kind of mostly uh, Anglican, Church of England, um, were super full. Like there's stories about, I mean, Dickens writes about bones coming out of the gra- ground and he wrote, writes a piece about... Um, someone being buried and they recognize the other person that's being not disinterred but basically cut into to be buried so they were pretty awful spaces graveyards mm. so um the 19th century generally mostly enterprising gentlemen went there is a business opportunity here we could set up these new cemeteries in beautiful surroundings with gorgeous buildings and lovely trees. And it was really very much about the beauty of the space. And we can bury people in a different way. They won't be in this horrible, um, rather unpleasant, rather smelly. Mm. You don't really want to be in these graves, these graveyards spaces in, Mm. in cities. These were kind of on the outskirts of cities in the countryside. And they, Mm. they were what they called joint stock cemeteries when they first started sort of in the 1820s, they were joint stock cemeteries and people bought shares in cemeteries. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. They bought shares in cemeteries for cre- setting them up. So Honest Fairly is a joint stock cemetery. And people, you know, a group of gentlemen said, right, we're going to buy this piece of land. They had to get an act of parliament because it was such a new concept. We're going to buy this piece of land and we're going to build a cemetery on the outskirts where people can bury their, their loved ones in a green and pleasant space. So these spaces were designed to be places to go and walk around and be in. Okay, some of the things I might describe later are probably not what the Victorians expected people to do in them, but they were designed. They've got wide sweeping paths. They're contained spaces, which is one of the other features of a cemetery. Um, They've got Mm. these often beautiful chapel buildings. Some of them don't survive into the 21st century in some cemeteries, but they've got these beautiful buildings. And they've also got these gorgeous mature trees in them. So mm. some of the trees in Arnes Vale are over 160 years old. We've got one that's over 200, so it was there before the cemetery was set up. But, yeah, they, they were meant to be kind of an arboretum, mm, but also right. an inspiring space because the Victorians loved you to think about your own mortality because they was that kind of person. But it was, they were educational. Wasn't that the, the story of Mary Shelley getting it on on her mother's grave? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was she was meant to rumored to have lost her virginity on her mother's grave because her mother yeah. died giving birth to her. And if you don't know who her mother was, her mother was Mary Wollstonecraft. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So inspiring. Mm-hmm. Very. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not encouraging that by the way. I'd just like to say that don't don't do that. <laughs> and so I I I suppose I never even thought about where cemeteries came from mm. with the but the fact that everything before then was a graveyard mm. and that this is just a business venture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking, obviously, UK context. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. talking yeah. about, yeah, yeah. The, well, the different traditions in other countries. I mean, in Athens, they had really ancient cemeteries. Like the first cemetery of Athens is really, really like thousands of years old. But I'm really talking about UK context, mostly England and Wales, because in Scotland, mm. they had a slightly different system. But they do have mm. these beautiful 19th century cemeteries. Worston is one of them. Um, mm. Sorry, Worston. Oh, I'll have to find the name. Sorry. Anyway, there's one in Scotland and it's beautiful. Um, and you know, Glasgow Necropolis is another one. That's not quite so green. It's not quite so beautiful, but it's, it's an amazing space. And the gravestones themselves and the monuments are stunning, some of them. They are beautiful yeah. pieces of yeah. art. Now, if you weren't expected to go and look at them, why are they there? Yeah. And that's so cemeteries, you know, set up as a business investment. Do people then, you know, go, I want to be buried here. I want this huge, ginormous, gorgeous piece of art. I'm going to pay loads of money to be buried there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you paid 
according to the size of your plot. Uh, you paid for where it was. So if it was near the entrance or next to a chapel or um, very visible or you needed a huge space to put your monument up, then you paid a premium. You paid an awful lot of money. Mm. I think mm. one of the, the graves in the cemetery we worked out was probably in today's money about a couple of million pounds for the plot and the wow. memorial. Um, yeah, yeah, huge. It, they, it, was, it was a real status piece. And so was this point, so I'm, I'm trying to sort of take myself back to if I was to set up that business, if I'm, if I'm in my Victorian male persona. Yeah, what's your right? name? <laughs> what's my name? Ooh. Um, Edward. Yeah, that'll do. You're, you're an, Edward. an Edward. I've decided, okay. yeah. I'm an Edward <laughs> with my top hat. And, and I'm thinking, you know, nobody, here's this idea, nobody wants to be buried in a graveyard, but I could just go be buried in this field that has a good view. What was the reason for then being all capability brown and setting it up with the beautiful arboretum and the trees and things? Was that because then you could sell bit better plots because, hey, look, this one has a better view than that. This one has a gorgeous tree. Or was there also something about the fact that Victorians did want to encourage people to do more than be buried there and mourn people there? Were they looking to spend time in the cemeteries? Yes, yes, they were. And they also, there was a, a chap called um, Luden or Loudon, however people want to pronounce it, but he wrote books on, on the designing of cemeteries and the improvement of graveyards. But he was very much about they need to be wide open spaces, they need to have these beautiful trees. He wrote rules for creating cemeteries. Um, wow. And creating these these kind of they do modern, love their rules. They do love their rules, but you know, there are these rules and about how people should be buried and how fancy things should be. Even the types of trees you should have. So they should be evergreen trees, or they should be interesting specimen trees and evergreen trees, so that you've got greenery all year round. All oh, year, yeah, yeah. But yeah. also with a bit of a nod to uh, the wildlife. So he understood that wildlife would come to the space, and that which he was important. Yeah for um, people's mental, or the, obviously he didn't talk about mental health, um, but how people would feel in that space. So if they had a beautiful um, Irish yew, which is our, our cemetery, yeah. my cemetery that I work at, is full of these gorgeous Irish yews. Um, they're brilliant for the, the all sorts of insects, but the birds settle in them and they've got berries on them that they eat. So there's, there's a real kind of, um, kind of being in nature, because the Victorians mm. did love this. And there's a, also a kind of... Um, attitude about um he sort of talks about how um the the lower classes ought to go to cemeteries and walk around them and think about how be inspired by the landscape but also be inspired by the people buried there um mm -hmm. so uh one of the early adverts for honest fail talks about the picturesque views about how how beautiful it is how amazing a space yeah, yeah. it is to be in um, Highgate Cemetery, which is probably the most famous historic cemetery that kind of engages people in the UK, um, they talk about the incredible views over the city of London. So it was very much about going to this space and being in it. There's lots of articles. And so the aspiration then to be be better and do better at life <laughs> because then you can end your life with as aspirational views across wherever it is that you're buried. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. So you should inspire to be a great philanthropist or the great engineer or whatever inspiration you want it to, to, to take. If you do well, you will be in this hallowed company. I mean, all of these cemeteries do also have places for the incredibly poor, but they don't obviously have monuments generally. They may have a marker stone, something called a guinea stone, a guinea grave. So it's a little tiny square that yeah. just marks a name. Or they had quite often... Nothing. So they, they would yeah. be generally buried next to walls, which was less yeah. favoured mm. spots or kind of in, in, in less accessible parts of the cemetery. Mm. So they, mm. these, these were not places of just the very wealthy. And also, mm. um, and I can't remember the date, I have to admit, um, a lot of the city graveyards in the UK actually got closed by an act of parliament saying they were unhygienic, they were unsafe, people shouldn't be being buried in there mm. anymore. They were just awful places to be. Um, there's a guy who wrote, his, his nickname was uh, Graveyard Walker. He's Mr. Walker, but he would walk around graveyards saying how awful and horrible they were, and he wrote a whole book about it. 
Um, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, but he, he, yeah, he, in the press, he was nicknamed Graveyard Walker. He's a bit of a weird character, quite hard to get on with, apparently. But he was yeah. obsessed with how um, graveyards were killing people, basically, from the mm. smell. Because, obviously, yeah, yeah. before germ theory, people thought that if you, 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 you had a nasty miasma around you, this miasma theory, that it would make you ill make and infect mm. you. So he was like, you've got to close these because they're yeah. disgusting and infectious. But those city... Yeah. Uh, uh, cemeteries on the outskirts they're safe and clean and fresh and full of these trees and also Victorians were aware that trees clean the air they did understand that so they thought well if we have these clean clean trees that will help Mm. Um, and they also planted things like cherry laurel which actually contain um, cyanide in their leaves I believe it is it's a poison in their leaves basically when Mm. they break down their leaves are kind of sort of cleanse the soil there's nothing, okay. nothing grows under a cherry laurel. But they felt that that was a way of cleansing the soil so it wouldn't yeah, be smelly yeah. and dirty. So there was all about health and hygiene. There is another aspect to them as well. The fact that um, there was a kind of big religious schisms at that point in time and people didn't want to be buried with the rights mm. of the Church of England in a graveyard. Mm-hmm. They wanted mm-hmm. their own religious rights, Congregationalists and Methodists and Quakers. They wanted mm. their own space. And they didn't want mm. to have to be forced to be buried in consecrated ground and also to have the Church of England ceremony prayed over them after their death. So that was another reason right. for these burial spaces, these, you know, these burial landscapes, these cemeteries to evolve because people really, really wanted that it was kind of uh, self-expression. I want my, okay. my, 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 my vicar or my chaplain or my whatever religious leader they had to look mm. after me when I die so that I get to go to what I believe is heaven or mm. the next place. So there is that as well. Because you will get a chapel graveyard as well as a church mm. graveyard, but these are then non-religious spaces, the um, cemeteries. The cemeteries, they can be religious spaces. So, for example, there's one um, in London called Wilsdon Cemetery, which is a Jewish cemetery, and it's entirely a Jewish right. cemetery. It's owned by um, the United Synagogue, and it is a religious space but it is also a cemetery because but um synagogues are not set in cemeteries you don't get that anyway right. okay. they don't have their burial grounds around their synagogues anyway you yeah. you wouldn't see that really anyway certainly in the 19th century onwards so mm. they can be religious spaces they can be set up by churches but the church won't then be plonked in the cemetery it will be the separate church and then the church will have a, a separate cemetery so in Bristol, St. Mary Redcliffe is a large mm. fancy church. I'm sure you know it in, in, in mm-hmm. Bristol. And um, there is a, a, a breakaway cemetery or an extra cemetery opposite Arnos Vale for St. Mary Redcliffe because they, they were full. But it's got a little chapel, which is no longer used, sadly. It's a tiny little thing. Um, but obviously it hasn't got a church in it because the church is the yeah. church that exists in the city. So Still there. Yeah. Still there. Yeah. So and it's very well used. It's a very, very popular space. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing. And these, the thing about graveyards is also they often evolve around a churchyard. So if you think mm. about a graveyard, think that they don't really have a clear design or a clear mm. layout. Um, mm. Obviously, they do have some kind of layout. Otherwise, they wouldn't know where people are buried. But they don't have a clear layout. They're sort of meandering. And they kind of yeah. stop when they run out of Ooh, land. There's a patch of land that's, <laughs> yeah. that's spare. You can go in there. Precisely that. Unlike a cemetery, which is a very heavily designed space. space. It's yeah. ordered. It's specific. It's got it's this plot. This I way. appreciate that. That's the kind of thing I like. I want an organised, these are your rows. You can go down them and visit each person at your wish. Okay, so now you're making me think of... Um, uh, Maddingly Cemetery just outside Cambridge, mm-hmm. which is the war cemetery yeah. with all yeah, the, with the white yeah. crosses. Yeah, yeah, I know the one. Yeah. Which looks amazing. Yeah. Mm. That's done deliberately. That's for visual impression. Yeah. That's to really impact Absolutely. you about the, the loss of life and the, the, the sacrifice. Well, on the Absolutely. visual, going back to this whole inspirational thing with the Victorians. And the big and angels. The big, you know... Come and visit me inspired. I was thinking about the Weeping Angels, but I'm going to glaze over that. We're not doing (laughs) Doctor Who this episode. We do it too much. Um, I imagine that's not something you use now to bring people in. It's not like, come in and visit the cemetery and get inspired for your death. Yes. 
Yes. Really? Yeah. So um, it's not inspiring you for your death, but it's helping you, helping people kind of understand it. It's one of those things that's definitely going to happen. It's not <laughs> something you can avoid. So be comfortable with it. So, what um, is it? The only certainties in life are death and death taxes. Death and taxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Death and taxes. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Arnest Vale. Uh, we are the the host for a death cafe. So it's a social movement where people go and talk about kind of their end of life choices. You know, do they want to make a living will? Will how do they want to be buried? Do they or do they want to be created or they want to be turned into a diamond if that's possible in the future? That kind of thing. But also kind of talk about. I want to go in the brown bin. You want to go in the brown bin? We can't yet. I it's do. Not legal, With my sorry. legs sticking out, I'd allowed. love to go in the brown bin, but so I'm not allowed. Not but legal. I love. I think death cafes. I've heard mm. of death cafes, and mm. I think they're excellent. It's really bad because you say death cafe, and I get chatty Wednesday from Fleabag in my head, but everyone's just chatting yeah. about death. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That is exactly what it is. But it is that space to just talk about death yeah. in a chatty kind of Wednesday way with a pastry. Yeah. Oh, I do love a pastry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which we as a family talk about death far too freely, but I, yeah. but a lot of people <coughs> don't. Mm. Uh, were the Victorians better at talking about death? Have we got worse and trying to get better? Or I mean, have we always not been particularly good? At- the Victorians were good at talking about death because they didn't really have a choice it would happen to them on a very regular basis than most of us one in 200 women died in childbirth it was yeah yeah. you know it it, at certain points in their time um so it and their children often died of infectious diseases there was no vaccines there was no antibiotics so it was something you couldn't avoid talking about Mm. but they ritualized it so they ritualized it with their funerals and with their monuments and with their, you know, their um, all, all their cele- celebration of of the person, really, they were very celebratory about the person. But I mean, unless it was Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's quite interesting. People are like, oh, you know, we never talk about death, but people do. They just don't always talk mm. about their own death. If a celebrity dies, people always want to know how did they die. Yeah, every time. How did they die? And it's fascinating. People really want to know. And actually, uh, Honest Fail, we set up a tour, um, which is called Morbid Curiosity Tour. And it's, it's literally, how do people die? Because we kept being asked, we'd be talking around talking, but say, oh, this person was a, uh, this lady was the first, second solicitor in Bristol, or this man was a philanthropist. Or the, but people go, and how did they die? And I'm like, uh-huh, we, we, yeah. we don't include that bit in the tour because we talk about their <laughs> life and celebrate them. So eventually we said, fine. We're going to do a tour for you morbid bunch um, (laughs) to talk about how people died. So we talk about loads of different causes of death in this particular tour. What's the weirdest one you've got? What's like the most like, what? (laughs) I mean, there is someone who died, according to the records of uh, a second world, a first world war death. He died uh, being hit by a flying head. So somebody else (laughs) was killed and the head it killed him um so it's pretty Will that's you pretty please grim. use that in a script in the future it's pretty death grim. by a flying head i have to i love the fact that that was actually noted down mm. as well you know yeah. you just if that happened to you you know your friends would be there going yeah we'll tell everyone but we'll write down but see i something else i kind of wish they'd written just death by head and left it <laughs> left it to your imagination I, would, I wouldn't do that with a soldier could, could really work very badly I'm just trying to think we also have someone um, who's not on this tour but uh, I know of his story he um, was one of the first people to die by sticking his head out of a railway carriage and basically <gasps> having it smashed in um, oh. at a pillar so he was, there's something had occurred on the track so he literally stuck his head out he deserved it Darwin Award there just really yeah yeah. he he stuck his head out to find out what was going on whilst the train was still moving yeah that that didn't go well no can't have gone well no it didn't go well yeah so obviously I want to encourage people to come on the tour and come and hear all the stories did you sing the stupid deaths theme song from Horrible Histories no but it's tempting (laughs) it is tempting to sing the stupid death song um (laughs) Uh, we do. We do, uh, the thing is, these it is you kind of laugh about these stories a little bit, but actually, these are real people 
that we're not, yeah. you know, they're not, they're not, they are real people and they're real, they have got real relatives. Obviously, you know, we don't tend to talk about recently deceased, um, but mm. they were, you know, real people. So we try to kind of walk that fine line between telling the story because it's fascinating, but also respecting the person as a human being as well. And the fact that mm. we stood in front of their grave talking about their death is quite, you know, could consider that as quite a challenging thing to do. But, you know, again, the Victorians, they were really obvious about talking about how people died. Mm. Um, there's a chap who we've got um, who uh, was a, a, a Lord Mayor. No, a mayor. Sorry, can't remember. Lord Mayor or Mayor. He's one of those two. Um, he um, dropped dead of a heart attack. And it said, kind of the newspaper basically says something like, the quiet of the council chamber was disturbed pretty much as he dropped dead in front of us. It was, it was like he describes it. It's kind of the Victorian version oh, of, so it was super awkward. He was the middle yeah. of a speech. Yeah, it, it says something, it says that. And it's just like, oh. That's pretty much how it would be if you dropped dead in your retail job. Like, oh, but you were mid putting away the delivery. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it, it, but it talks about it in the newspaper. It describes his, his death. And causes of death aren't normally marked on graves, though we do occasionally have that. Like um, Joseph Williams was a a doctor, a surgeon, and he died of cholera. So it says died of cholera on his Mm. grave. So it's not Mm. that common. So the Victorians didn't tend to talk about causes of death, but they definitely talked about the person. More often they talk about the guys than they do the women. Mm. The women often have just literally relict, which basically means wife of. (laughs) Wife of. Mm. Wife of. Daughter of. Daughter of. And Mm. it relates them to the man. Um, not always, not always, but quite often. Um, I do have a lovely lady who, again, get was in the middle of a speech, dropped dead on the um, in the the platform of the White Temperance Movements. Um, uh, they were doing a meeting, and she just dropped dead in front of them. So it talks about wow. her that that death on the grave, and talks about her and how she she rescued the. It's brilliant for this because we're talking drinking gin. But she rescued the uh, the the people from drunkenness and gin, and you know, it, it talks about how they were rescuing um, people from alcoholism, basically, oh, and that's what she was doing when she come died. And rescue us? No, <laughs> no, no, don't so be rescuing. I have to ask one big question: If you're in a cemetery all the time, do you believe in ghosts? I'm an atheist. I do not believe in ghosts, and also, if you do believe in ghosts. Normally, if you think about the places that ghosts appear, they appear in the places where they died. No mm-hmm. one died in a cemetery. They're places yeah. of the dead. There must be somebody. It's very rare. That walked through a cemetery and tripped, mm. hit the head on a gravestone. And, and then their died. ghost immediately went, well, that was tempting fate, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you might have one mm. in a cemetery. Yeah. You, you always have stories about people haunting places of mm-hmm. of death um of the dead but um i mean i've been there at four o'clock in the morning to open up the site for a, like a dawn chorus and things like that it's an incredibly peaceful and contemplative space um so mm. generally historic cemeteries don't like to talk about the supernatural because also it upsets the family thinking that their mm. their family member might be unquiet they might be mm. walking around as ghosts because a ghost is generally a distressed kind of um, um, soul that they're not happy um, and, you know, hopefully all the people in the cemetery are all happy and calm. So uh, their ghost isn't not there. But, yeah, generally they haunt the place where they died, generally mm-hmm. than the place where they're buried. So you'll get lots of stories about um, the people haunting, um, like, um, psychiatric hospitals and asylums and things like that but you very rarely get them you you always get well, very stories old about houses like very old houses we live in yeah <laughs> yeah very old houses i yeah. also don't believe in ghosts so it's mm. okay but yeah. i had to ask yeah. what what about zombies though <laughs> <laughs> because all so being very definitely not being respectful so no it isn't mm. but but would you consider a being buried alive experience to happen in a cemetery? It is. I mean, in the 21st century, it's absolutely, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> it's Health really not going to. is not going to approve that. <laughs> yeah, you're not, it's not, you're not going to get buried alive. We have ways of checking for brain death and all that kind of thing. And these days, funerals don't happen very fast unless you are of a faith that needs to bury in like 24 hours, 36 hours. So Jewish people and Muslims 
need a quick turnaround because that's their belief system. But, you know, generally uh, a funeral can be up to two weeks later, a month later, because we've got such great refrigeration techniques these days. Mm. They're not a rapid turnaround. However, in the Victorian period, they were terrified about it. They Mm. were very scared Mm. that it could happen. So, for example, cholera was a disease that made you look like you were dead. You went Mm. blue, you you went pale, you were cold to the touch. So they were scared of that. So uh, one of the, they, they, there was loads. There's loads of really cool inventions of people kind of having bells tied to yes. their toes. Yes, and um, uh, there's um, there's a, a a vault. I think it's in America where it was openable from the inside, just in case the the, the person who was interred in it woke up and could mm. like undo it. Um, People have been, even in the 21st century, people have had um, mobile phones put in their coffins in case they Mm. wanted to contact someone. I'll be honest with you, I'm not quite sure how you can move your arms around a coffin. They're pretty tight. Um, Yeah. And can you get signal? I'm not sure how easy. And also, obviously, if you're cremated, you you absolutely definitely must not (laughs) put a mobile phone in the coffin. It will explode and then you'll have to pay for the cremation furnace and they are very, very expensive. So uh, definitely don't do that. But there's, there is that connection though, isn't mm. it? Because all of that is that superstition of of death mm. and that what happens after you're dead mm. and the burying and that sort of mm. mystical, mythical, like the gin we're drinking, you mm. know, being taken off to the afterlife mm. and wherever that is. And there's just so much mm weirdness connected Mm. with death um, that then comes into the whole burial, the whole cemetery and the whole not necessarily wanting to go in there at night because you think it's spooky. It can Mm. be a bit spooky. (laughs) I suspect that's mostly because it's dark. (laughs) Yeah, anything spooky in the dark, Everything, Everything's spooky because human beings are evolved to look for faces and, 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 and danger. So you see a stood up gravestone could very easily look like a human. It really could, yeah. especially if there's yeah. a tree in the background. So um, I would say that cemeteries are actually quite safe places quite a lot of the time. Uh, do look out for open graves because there could that could be a thing, but they're generally covered. Um, <laughs> then you won't be buried alive. <laughs> yes, yes. No, no, they won't bury you alive because, you know, it's expensive. Uh, so they de- get you out. <laughs> they definitely get you out. Grave plots are very expensive. Um, uh, so it, it's, it's not going to be something that, it happens. And also, I don't think any of the, the methods Victorians had to contact somebody if they weren't dead but buried um, were um, viable because how I'm going to put this nicely without making basically people move when they're dead quite mm. a lot. Mm. Their muscles contract and expand, their stomachs expand. Their toes and ankles will move as, as, as bacteria breaks the body down. So humans do move when they're dead. So uh, you'd have a problem um, with, you know, if you tied, a toe, tied something to a toe, it would ring quite constantly. But it's very small <laughs> movements. <laughs> so mm. it's not going to work. And also um, people used to keep their family member in their house quite often in the Victorian mm. period. So mm. they would wait to notice for... for I think the words are signs of putrefaction. Mm. Oh. Yeah, you'd look to see if, yeah, and then you'd, you'd know by the smell, basically. Yeah. There's a reason that lilies yeah. were used uh, very, very heavily at funerals. They smell oh, they very stink. strong. I hate the smell, personally. I hate the smell of lilies. I can't stand yeah, it. can't stand it either. But I'd never thought of why mm. they're funeral mm. flower. Whoever did the marketing campaign for lilies... They really hit on something there. They're not a good. They're not a good flower, but they're good for taking away the smell of putrid flesh. Yeah, they are extremely yeah. good at that. Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm not in Bristol, mm. and therefore I'm not near your amazing cemetery with all the stuff that you do. Mm. But there are cemeteries around. Mm. So why would I want to go to them? Are there? Gonna, you know, what is the reason why I would want to go in, mm. into a cemetery if I'm not burying somebody, I'm not grieving somebody that's there? So they are utterly beautiful. Um, in, in particularly the 19th century cemeteries, which was my area of, of research, is they are utterly beautiful. They are filled with these gorgeous trees and these wonderful memorials. They are stunning places to walk around and just be in that contemplative space. But they are full of wildlife. 
Um, mm. You will find most historic cemeteries are, have got lots and lots of things living in them. So even if it's just, you know, wagtails and foxes and badgers, they will be hanging out in that space because they are quite often um, these days surrounded by urba- urban so mm. the cities have crept mm. towards them and, and surrounded them. I don't know of very many urban cemeteries that aren't very, very um, enveloped by their mm. by their local area. So these are often kind of a similar thing to a, a park. And I would say, and I'm not denigrating local parks, but parks are often quite boring spaces. They are often green. They're flat. They're full of kids playing football and there's a couple of trees, but they're quite modern trees. And Not all of them. there's that one weird couple on a bench just snogging each other's faces off. That's also often why, the case. Why go to a park? Because nobody's going to do that in a cemetery. It just well, feels wrong unless you marry Shelley. Exactly. <laughs> but generally speaking, you wouldn't neck on with someone in a cemetery. I'd hope. Oh, well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well? <laughs> I, I wouldn't, but I could see that... It might get somebody interested. <laughs> and Janine's nodding away. Oh, um, okay, so uh, there is an academic called uh, Dr. Bell Deering who did some research on people using cemeteries for what we might consider antisocial behaviour. So mm-hmm. Mary Shelley being an example, the kind of things that she was up to sometimes in that graveyard. It's a quiet place. It's a quiet quiet place. it's beautiful. It's It's secluded. It's beautiful. And you've got flat flat things to lie on. Yes. It's quite hard, though. (sighs) When you're a teenager, where where can you go where you aren't being watched by adults all the time? So not just Mm. sex, but, um, uh, you know, going for taking some some cans and sitting in the local park. Quite often there's people going Mm. past, you shout at you and tell you off. You can find a quiet spot in a cemetery. And lighting. Yeah. There's not very much lighting in a a cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. I do know that um, another cemetery, which I won't name, uh, does have a bit of a reputation for cruising. Um, It's a thing that absolutely happens there because it's got some quite secluded spots. Um, okay. It's not my cemetery. I just like to make that very clear. Um, but I know which one it is. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tag them because they would be not very gonna annoyed. advertise it. I'm but not if yet. you do a quick Google, you might find out. Yeah, it, it's a well-known phenomena um, that wow. these spaces can allow people because they are they're basically liminal spaces in one sense in the fact that they are outside of normal rules. So there are yeah. rules, but the rules change on who you are which is really interesting. Mm, yeah. uh, so if you're a teenager looking for a quiet spot to drink the gin you've stolen from your mum's cupboard, brilliant. There's some flat mm. stones. Nobody's going to be coming through in the evening. You can probably hop yeah. the fence or there'll be a gate somewhere. There's a lot. A you lot can of these... chat away to the gravestones and, yeah. you know, yeah. tell them all your problems. Have a little bit of therapy. Yeah, yeah. Have a, be, be a bit of a morbid goth if you want. Yeah, oh, everyone should go through a little bit of gossip. No, I never did that, Sarah. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's an interesting one in terms of the rules because, you know, with a park, you've got a park warden or you've got, you know, the expectations of how to behave within a park. But Mm. a cemetery, it's kind of... You can go there and cry and people just assume you're grieving for somebody. Mm. Uh, Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it is that kind of, it's left to what you feel is right, not Mm. what society has told you or what the rules Mm. say is right. Like, no ball games, no Mm. petting, no, you know, (laughs) I'm thinking of swimming pools now. No bombing. (laughs) But there aren't any rules, are there? It Mm. is just an open cemetery. Do they shut? Gates. I yeah, did. most cemeteries have have gates. Um, yeah. So many cemeteries do shut their gates at night, but it doesn't necessarily deter what we call antisocial behaviour or purple tourism, which is kind of being things that people might go and visit. Sorry, to do. Purple, purple tourism. tourism. I'm not an I'm not a tourism expert, but it's basically things that people will do. So um, urbexing, um, so breaking into like buildings and doing filming and visiting and taking groups and that kind of thing, or ghost hunting in cemeteries where it's kind of almost an arranged activity. 
Uh, it's very frowned upon by most cemetery authorities, but it's a kind of it's sort of called purple tourism yeah. or purple activity. So it's kind of on that borderline of what's appropriate and what's expected and what's known. So people do have different rules for what's appropriate for them. Mm. But some cemeteries um, see that they are public spaces, even though they they are public spaces, but they've got this weird public private dichotomy mm. about them. Um, so people who have family there would say, well, this is our space and, and you should be, if you're in here, you're bereaved. And people who are local residents and live next door say, well, this is a green space and I should be allowed to walk my dog in it. And some cemeteries allow that and some cemeteries don't. And local uh, teenagers will say, well, this is the only space I'm allowed to go when nobody's going to bother me. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, a paranormal act, um, activity group might say, well, we believe that we can we should be allowed to go hunt, ghost hunting in there because it's, it's an activity space. People do all sorts of things. They go jogging and they go mm. cycling and they, you see heavily pregnant women walking around cemeteries looking for unusual names. It's not uncommon. And that's a kind of unusual activity. No. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If there isn't a few wow. Uriahs born in Bristol in the near future, I will be incredibly surprised. I mean, it makes sense. In it Bristol, does. anything goes. I mean, everything but... goes in Bristol. Oh, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's fairly... Um, I've spoken to other cemeteries and it happens to them. They say, oh, yeah, we see, see women looking around, walking around looking for, for, um, for, for names and things. But also you'll see them walking... What's cause... wrong with a good old-fashioned baby book, guys? An app? Like, come on. I don't know. I quite like that. Go out in nature and go and, you know, find it, looking at gravestones and rather than... look down not? at your newborn child and go, Getting you were named after as well. this gravestone I found. But it could be a most stunning gravestone. Yeah. And actually... Inspirational. So there were a couple of things I was thinking of. One is I always feel bad when the dogs wee on a gravestone, but I can't stop them because something else has done it. Yeah. They're going to do it anyway. And I'm sure that the person doesn't mind... Because they're not there. It's bones. Um, but the second is actually, I, I would, <laughs> being, being me, I probably would actively walk, have walked to you probably at some point walked around me. graveyards and other siblings and talked about death and people because actually that's quite a good way of segueing into conversations about death and mortality and all the rest of it because you're there and you can do that so mm. I could see that that would be you know on your morning walk you know what can you see I can see a butterfly I see a gravestone <laughs> and having those this conversations is just giving an insight into your parenting and why we have such a weird relationship <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 and it's all okay. It's all fine. And talking about your own mortality is extremely Victorian anyway. Uh, or think talking about your own child's mortality. The next time I have a bad day and I'm like, I'm just going to die today. I'm going to die. I can yeah, go so okay being Victorian. Yeah. What do you want? Do you want an angel? Do you want a... I don't want an angel. What would you want? Well, they weep. I want to be turned into a tree, personally. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. How would you yeah. be turned? Well, they cremate you and they would they, they cement you, you in a tree in a, they formation. Put you in a plant no. pot type thing, and you and the tree grows. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I just I, think it'd be cool. I will tell you that cremated ashes have got absolutely no nutrients in them. None at all. No, yeah. none. But I like no. the idea of somehow being connected the to the tree. At the same time. Oh well, sorry, Sarah. We can't be put in the green bin yet. Also, I'm 23. Hopefully, I've got a while. In the realms of come and visit, we're doing this thing. What sort of things can cemeteries do to make us all go, oh, yeah, that sounds a bit cool and interesting. I'll go to that. Okay, so you can talk about the people who are buried in the space. Not all historic cemeteries do this. Um, I wouldn't say the majority do, but quite a number do. They will do tours. So it might be uh, Morbid Curiosity. It might be we've got a tour called Wonderful Women, um, which we regularly do, which is, you know, stories of, women's stories because we often don't um mm. hear those stories necessarily it's often you know old white guys um you tr but you know it, it you know <laughs> victorian you, cemetery victorian cemetery there are definitely you know people of color there are women in there but you don't always hear those stories so that is the opportunity to tell the stories of the people you might not necessarily have spotted their memorial mm. so Tours is, a, is an absolute definite start of a 10, and they often happen. I mean, Highgate Cemetery has millions of people through its gates every year on their tours. Um, uh, they do have Karl Marx buried there as well. So 
that makes a difference uh, to who comes and visits. When busy. you've got a big star name like that. Mm, yeah, but we, we don't have any big star names. But um, All cemeteries have got like a, a ple- person that a lot of people want to go and see. So for us, it's Raja Ramahan Roy. He's regarded as one of the fathers of modern India. He's got this amazing kind of chatri, which looks like a teeny tiny Mataj Mahal. Highgate has Karl mm. Marx. Um, um, and now I'm going to get this wrong. I believe it's Abney Park has William Booth, who set up the Salvation Army. So there's there's usually someone that people are like, oh, focused on. Is there? I know you're you work in 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 a cemetery and that's yours and mm. you have a love for that. Mm. But what's the best cemetery ever apart to visit from anywhere? mine? Apart, apart from mine. Apart from yours. Everyone in the list. It. Yes. <laughs> But the best cemetery that exists and why? Um, so uh, it's so hard to choose. They've all got such wonderful qualities. Uh, Highgate Cemetery is fascinating because it's got so many people you would know about. Mike, Malcolm McLaren is yeah. buried there and um, um, Alexander Litvinenko is actually, his ashes are, are there and it deliberately right by a path so you remember what happened to him, that kind of thing. So for those stories, that's a brilliant cemetery. Tower Hamlet Cemetery in London is a beautiful green space in a very urban area, mm. quite a deprived area as well. Mm, so yeah. it's a really important green space um, and it's pretty much the lungs of, of that area to clean up the, 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 you know, this, this very urban area. Um, Abney Park Cemetery's got fascinating social reformers, um, um, uh, Glasgow Necropolis is just a stunning place with kind of lots of levels. It's really so there's so many. I don't want to pick one. Don't make me. It's not <laughs> fair. I love them all for lots of different reasons. Yeah. That's okay. I love that answer yeah. because actually instead of one, we could just do a cemetery tour. And also that's the way it should always be. Mm. You should never be able to pick one. Mm. If you are like a, an expert and a lover of anything, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm never gonna pick my favourite book. It's all the no. different books for different things. Mm. So the different cemeteries mm. for different things, whether it's famous people, whether it's the green space mm. or you know, the design mm. of it, etc. It's all those different things. Mm. I've just remembered who who's buried at Pelachaise in 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 Paris, which is probably one of the most famous historic cemeteries. Uh, Oscar Wilde and Jim Morrison, and Jim Morrison's actually oh. got a kind of cover on his grave to stop people you know, damaging it because people go and kiss it. Yeah, they visit, oh, and kiss yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, so it's okay. actually protected from people kissing it yeah. because the lipstick is yeah. lipstick's quite um, toxic in a way. It's quite bad. Yeah, it's really greasy. So uh, yeah, people and people will like leave tokens on well-known people's graves or people they've come come to visit so for example in jewish cemeteries people will leave a little stone to say that they visited they don't leave flowers or anything like that but leave a little stone just say i've been to see you um um, I'm sorry. The uh, question was, what uh, what else can you do? So you can do all sorts of things. Uh, in American cemeteries, you can go and watch, you know, films. We do occasionally do that at Arnest Vale. I wonder what you were going to yeah. say. You go watch films. <laughs> so they've got these massive mausoleums with big white walls, and they project onto. Uh, I think it's Greenwood oh, Cemetery. They project films onto that. Um, do you have to be quite careful about the film choice? Yes, though? yes, you do. Mm. So, not Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> well, Shaun of the Dead would probably be fine, actually. To be honest with you, um, it's it, that's that's tongue in cheek. But um, and I've said this um, when I was interviewed for a book um, called A Tomb with a View. Um, we were asked to uh, show Psycho nice. in the cemetery, and we went, "No, we're absolutely not mm. showing that. That doesn't feel respectful." Uh, but we yeah. have shown Harold and Maud which if you don't know that film, it's, mm. that is one of my favourite films. And it does have themes of, of, of suicide. It does have those themes mm. in it. But it talks about life and death and end-of-life choices and what you do with your own body and that kind of thing. So it's a really interesting Would choice. Would you show Mamma Mia? Yeah, why not? Perfect, I'm down, let's yeah. go. <laughs> uh, we've shown Labyrinth a number of times and Lost Boys a number of times. Nice. Oh, yeah, Labyrinth. I love a Lost Boys. Yeah, but so, so um, at Arnest Vale and a few other cemeteries I know of, they kind of we put a screen outdoors so people can sit outdoors, mm. not on the graves. We've got some, we put it on the road so that we close it to off to cars, put the screen on the road, mm. and then people can come in in the evening and watch a film. And, you know, mm. the bats might be flying around above them because 
Nice. Yes, yes. So, so uh, can you bring a beverage with you and some snacks? Uh, at our cemetery, you can buy a beverage because we have a license. And I know that. Um, <gasps> when are you next doing one? I would like to attend. <laughs> Sign up to the newsletter, and then you will know. Excellent. But they go, the tickets go really fast. It's really popular because it's yeah. such an unusual space to be in. And sometimes we've also shown in one of our chapels, we've got beautiful chapels. We've uh, shown kind of. Um, World War Two or World War One footage or, or films mm. and things like that are related to something that's going on. So kind of link them to kind of social issues or local events and that kind of thing. So that that's something that a lot of cemeteries do. Talks is another thing. And much more atmosphere mm. than sitting and watching it on a white wall in a park that has nothing but yeah. absolutely flat mm. green. I was going to go Trumpington Park and Ride as well. well <laughs> park and Ride, yeah. whatever, with cars. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 yeah, so Sheffield General Cemetery does things like that as well. They're, they're, they're really quite a fascinating space. It's got a beautiful chapel. Weddings. People will get married in cemeteries. So there's uh, two cemeteries that I know of, Arnes Vale and Sheffield, that are currently allowing people to get married in them. And people say, well, isn't it a bit weird to get married in a cemetery? And I said, if you got married in a church, what would you step yeah, out? It's, what would you step out yeah. into? Yeah. And they go, oh, yeah. yeah. Good yeah. point. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know. It's 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 quite a, it's another way of kind of income generating to keep these spaces open and, and make them accessible. Mm. Exercise classes um, get held in the cemetery as well, and I know that Birmingham cemeteries uh, people regularly go and sit in. There's like a beautiful kind of almost amphitheater type space in the middle, which is um, basically they're they're they're, they're um, sort of crypt area, but it's above ground. It's quite unusual, mm. and and you often see people like getting bringing their their kettlebells and just sitting and doing the exercise. People doing yoga in the middle of the cemetery because there's a green space, and people are yeah. not going to bother yeah, yeah. you in the same way. Um, yeah, exhibitions you can have exhibitions about all sorts of things. We hosted an exhibition with a guy who'd taken images of um, during a cremation through the cremation furnace win- window kind of showed the process of cremation we put wow. it in a very sensitive space you had to go and find it so you weren't yeah. coming across it by accident you wouldn't want that to happen to a bereaved person just coming across that but it was you know that's something that people actually want to know yeah what does it absolutely. look like and you mm. can be sensitive about it but there's so much that goes on in cemeteries that people have no idea that's going on but it's happening. There's all sorts of things. Mm. I know that Sheffield has a goth night once a month. They host a goth night in their chapel. How brilliant is that? There's the, the there's a bats. We hold, hold something called the bats ball. It's not run by yeah. the cemetery, but it's hosted by the cemetery and raises money for the cemetery. And goths and all sorts of you know people who love dressing up in Victorian style clothes come to the cemetery. And the tickets for that usually sell out in about two hours. Wow. That sounds so cool. I'm not even like day to day goth, but I would totally do that. That'd the whole so steampunk cool. going on. Yeah, yeah. As you go in, you as know well. how badly I want to wear a corset. Yeah, I just yeah. think it'd be awesome. Oh, well, in that case, join the Bristol Steampunk Society. You can do that there. <laughs> oh, done. <laughs> okay. So, as well as answering how much there is to do in yeah. the cemetery, apart from bury and grieve the dead, that is. Two things mm. that should be done yeah, absolutely. in cemeteries, but also lots of other yeah. stuff. We've also got lots of stuff for you to go and do when you go back to <laughs> Bristol. I've got a whole list now. Yeah. I'm really excited. Tremendous. If I don't see your name on a tour, I will be quite upset. <laughs> you will see my name on a tour and I'm going to bring my housemate with me and it's going to be great. <laughs> okay, so tell me about the best grave that you like most. Oh, again, that's 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 a hard one. But or oh, the best, the top five. So Raja Ramahan Roy's grave is amazing, and as you come into the entrance of the cemetery, it's right there. You see it, and it is very regularly visited by all sorts of people. Um, a lot of people kind of make a bit of a pilgrimage to visit his grave, particularly mm. in, in Indian people. Um, the Gad Matthews grave is brilliant because. It's a grave on kind of the religious divide. So Arnasfell is kind of consecrated in one section. So it's Anglican in one section, but non-conformist in the other. So it's literally a business decision to make as much money as they can from burying as many people as they could. Um, But Mr. Gad Matthews was an Anglican. Mrs. Gad Matthews was a congregationalist. So she was a non-conformist. So they didn't want to be buried in each other's side. So their son bought a plot for them, which is 
on the divide spans the divide, spans both. Spans the divide. and it's absolutely oh. stunning it's a listed it's listed because it's so beautiful and it's got this amazing wow. kind of chest type thing on top with lion's feet and these beautiful carvings mm. with acanthus leaves and and then flowers and poppies all over it and it's just incredible and you walk through kind of the woodland and it's there and it is just amazing but I just love the story of I'm that I'm such a sap because I hear that and I'm like oh my god they loved each other yes, so much that's they're so together cute. in death no what I heard was their son loved them so <laughs> <Yes>! much <laughs> yeah I'm not doing that for you <laughs> well Mr Gad Matthews the father was a shareholder in the cemetery he was one of the original shareholders so I suspect it was a, it was communicated to the son it was that that's what they wanted Mm-hmm. And plots were often mm-hmm. bought in advance, way in advance. It was a, sometimes the Victorians, a man would buy his wife a plot in a cemetery so that she would not have a pauper's funeral. Maybe I should get, and they say romance is dead. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe I should get a plot in a cemetery and have a stone brown bin <laughs> with legs sticking out the top. And on that note, time to wrap up, Sarah. Um, can I just give one more thing that you can do in a historic cemetery quite please. often? Volunteer. Most spaces oh. have got volunteering opportunities. Either So, for example, in ours, you can um, work in the shop because we've got a shop and reception. You can look after the landscape. You can be a tour guide. You can uh, do research on the wonderful people. I don't do this stuff on my own. Mm. I am absolutely well supported mm. by all sorts of volunteers. You can... Do remote research. You can do a tiny thing like retweet. You know, it, there's so many things that can happen in cemeteries, uh, but volunteers are really important for these places because most of them are kind of run by trust or they're run by friends groups. So they've got no very little money. So volunteering is something else that people can do and get a bit of, bit of green gym. You don't need to go to the gym if you've been raking leaves all morning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and plug, where can we find all of the stuff on social media, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm, I'm going to plug my cemetery, obviously, um, but I, you know, um, arnesfail.org.uk, uh, um, on Twitter, arnesfailsem. I'm on there as the Janine, if you want to find me and find out about my research and my retweets of other places. If you uh, go on Instagram, we're there as Arnesfail Cemetery and uh, on Facebook, Arnesfail Cemetery again. So if you Google them, you will find them. They're out there. But, yeah, you know, there's lots and lots and also Sheffield, Sheffield General Cemetery is Sheffield Gen. Highgate is Highgate. It's, you know, just go, go find them because they are doing brilliant, fascinating, amazing things. And people just don't know about it. But they also caring for these landscapes and looking after them, keeping them alive. And it's just brilliant what's going on. And I don't know that Victorians would love everything we do, but I think they would absolutely <laughs> love the fact that we are making sure that they stay, these beautiful landscapes stay. I would in love to try and explain to a Victorian about following a cemetery on Instagram. <laughs> mm, yes. Yeah. Just them like... <laughs> yeah, start by explaining Instagram and move on from there. <laughs> yeah, that's quite absolutely. a long convo. Long convo. <laughs> But thank you for letting me plug that. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you for plugging. <laughs> yeah. And cemeteries, here we come. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to go follow. Do. Please. Oh. We do cool things. We will. Yeah. We will. <laughs> we talk about cool people. And then we'll just keep telling you what we did yeah. in the cemetery. Yes. <laughs> Please don't tell us if you do things we shouldn't know about. No. no. Yes. No, don't tell us about that. We don't want to know. <laughs> Behave in the cemetery. Thank you, Janine. <laughs> thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. I've enjoyed cemeteries. I've enjoyed the gin. I've enjoyed the gin. It's all been great. Love the link between the two. Right. And so much to go and explore. Yeah. Not just for the dead and the grieving. Nope. They're for all sorts. But for me, going on a tour very soon. Yay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cemeteries are they for the dead in the morning and everyone else yeah they bloody are i've just followed them on instagram (laughs) (laughs) okay so in answer to the question uh yes you can do a lot more in a cemetery yeah some stuff you shouldn't yeah yeah well but let's you shouldn't but nobody's gonna tell you off if you do well they might if they catch you 
but there's very well, little lighting. Isn't that the standard um, thing in life? Just don't get caught. <laughs> so, but all the stuff that you can do, that you can tell everyone else about that you're yeah. doing. You can do talks. You can wander you, around. You can have a workout class. You can you go can look watch at a funky movie. graves. You've got so many options. Do you kettlebells? I think because you always think about cemeteries, graveyards, mm-hmm. of being all about the people that are buried there. Yeah. But the fact that the Victorians designed them like a stately home grounds, that it's all about did. the trees and the landscape mm. and the space, mm. that you can actually just go and use it like a park with a bit more interest. Yeah. They're beautiful spaces. They've often got a lot going on. Yeah. They're for everyone. And if you are grieving, they're obviously for you. Obviously. But yeah. But also, also you don't have to be grieving in a space that doesn't have life. Yeah. I think that's the nice thing, isn't oh, it? Shit, that actually there's lots deep. of other stuff going on around as well. Which, you know, it's right, not a bad Mrs. thing. Life and death it. in one place. We're starting with seeking baby names. <laughs> And then we go to look at where we want our body to be put. <laughs> the circle of life. <laughs> and on that note, cemeteries. Love oh, them. Awesome. Stupid, stupid. <laughs> and you can drink gin there too. You can. You can. In fact, some places even have a license for it. Yeah. Love that. Really cool. And if you drink this gin, mm. it'll help you on your way to being in the cemetery. Not because it's bad for you, but in terms of it is that little psychopomp <laughs> Woden. Love it. It's a good gin. Drink lots it of sent it. Sarah down the other path. Mm. Earlier on, you couldn't form words. You can't again. Oh, Jesus. What in the disgusting asmr is that <laughs> don't set up a youtube for that jesus you know what someone's probably into it anyway cemetery psychopomp it's a win in my book cheers very good well there you go we finished the gin that was this week's topic join us next week for another one Lovely. Where can people find us in the meantime, Sarah? At Topic Gin. So find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, find us on FaceTime? No? Facebook? We're on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, good. But we're not on TikTok. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Or you can head over to our website, ginandtopic.com, and you can email us, hello at ginandtopic.com. And you can see us on Tuesday for the tasting room. The next gin. Oh, can't wait. See you then. And see you next week for the next topic too. Ooh.